0: Welcome to the Fintech One-on-One Podcast. This is Peter Renton, Chairman and Co-Founder of Fintech Nexus. I've been doing these shows since 2013, which makes this the longest-running one-on-one interview show in all of Fintech. Thank you for joining me on this journey. If you like this podcast, you should check out our sister shows, Pitch It, the Fintech Startups Podcast with Todd Anderson, and Fintech Coffee Break with Isabel Castro or you can listen to everything we produce by subscribing to the Fintech Nexus podcast channel. Before we get started, I want to talk about our flagship event, Fintech Nexus USA, happening in New York City on May 10th and 11th. The world of finance continues to change at a rapid pace, But we will be separating the wheat from the chaff, covering only the most important topics for you over two action-packed days. More than 10,000 one-on-one meetings will take place, and the biggest names in fintech will be on our keynote stage. You know you need to be there, so go ahead and register at fintechnexus.com and use the discount code PODCAST for 15% off. Today on the show, I'm delighted to welcome Magnus Larsson. He is the CEO and co-founder of Majority. Now, Majority is a niche digital bank focused on migrants. And as an immigrant myself, I was very keen to talk to Magnus. And they've really taken um, the pain points that immigrants have when they arrive in this country and provided a financial platform to deal with those pain points. And, and we talk about what their product offering is, obviously. We talk about their target market and the interesting thing they've done, which is where they've created these physical locations. They're a digital app, but they have now physical locations in Florida and in Texas. And we talk about the thinking behind that, we talk about their bank partnerships what it was like raising money in uh, 2022, a difficult fundraising environment. We um, talk about the scale they're at and much more. It was a fascinating discussion. Hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the podcast, Magnus. Thank you, Peter. So let's get started Like giving the listeners some background. I'd love to kind of get some of the career highlights and also how you ended up in this country
1: my background is from originally you could say in the in the big corp world i'm originally from sweden i'm i'm an immigrant here in the us uh, from sweden i started within uh, in the investment group called Shinnevik. they had a lot of different media telecoms etc and i spent my career my first nine years of my career in, in the telecom space so i started operators i rebuilt operators so to say and uh, the last thing i did in, in the group was uh, Heading up one of the largest telecoms in, in Sweden called Conlick. After that, I, um, me and two other, my co-founders uh, that also came from the group, were thinking about what to do. And uh, we had this idea originally around Majority, but uh, we ended up in another building another business called Webtel, which was an international calling platform that we turned into a cross-border platform that did fairly successful. And then after that, three years ago, we, we started Majority.
0: Mm-hmm. So, so, did you move back to the U.S. to start this, or did you did you come here for another reason?
1: So, I, I lived here twice before in the U.S. I, I started here partially, and uh, and I worked here as a Swedish teacher a longer time ago when I was a little bit younger. I moved here a year ago to build majority. When you are founded as a Swedish company out of Sweden, we concluded that to build this successfully, one of us have to be here in the U.S. So I also decided to move here with my with my family.
0: Right. Is this an American operation or are you global? So we started out of Sweden. So we have our tech
1: and product team in, in Stockholm, but we have a all our commercial operations here in the US. Uh, so that's where I'm sitting here in, in Miami. And uh, we also have some back office and risk operations in Houston. And then we're working with local sales Sales teams uh, mainly out of Texas and Florida. So today,
0: right. So then you, you touched on it, but I want to dig into the the founding story because I think it's really important. You know, as I'm an immigrant as well. What was the idea that sort of launched Majority? I spent 10 15
1: years working with different you know migrant communities around the world, basically already from the telco days, so to say, but also after that, building like the tech a tech company and the original idea was actually when it's nine years back ago it was two things when you anyone that moves to another country goes through similar experience you have to buy these scratch cards to call back home right (laughs) back in the days were those and and then you need to make friends you need to go through the visa process you need to get a job you need to be able to send money and you have to do all of that from a problem perspective was quite clear for us that there was a lot of things that you do when you're when you're an immigrant that you need to solve i think secondly was also another insight that we had that when you move to another country and you've gone through that journey and you're looking for you think about a company or a brand that is for you it doesn't exist today i think maybe some people might think of western union or or money but there's most of the companies that exist for when you're an immigrant uh, and solving some type of problem usually solving one problem but they are price focused. That's just the pure. And a lot of times I think these brands have done a mistake. They're thinking about consumers as, as immigrants, you know, you are you have less money and you want to be a cheap brand. But the last thing you want to feel when you're an immigrant is less. So we wanted to build a brand around majority. That's why we call majorities, the minorities of the world is the majority. That you mm-hmm. felt was strong for you. That also catered for those type of problems. But to roll forward a little bit, because that's maybe the the bigger part of it was that one of the key things that we discovered of, over all of these years is that the starting point when you're starting a life in a new country is is financial inclusion in a way you need to get a bank right. account you need to have that bank account because you need to move money you need to get paid and i think today even you know how do you order an uber if you don't have a have a visa card you know it's like all of those type of things that you need when you have an account so our product today is basically a, a bank account with a visa card connected but we also took care because we wanted to build a broader thing where you have all the cross-border products that you need sending money calling back and making sure that the money arrived maybe you need to pay your phone bill at home uh, or in your other country for a while because you want to keep that number that you had back in the days right mm-hmm. uh, some people keep them for for life so there's like all of those different type of cross-border products so you could say that is the, the second space and the third space i think that we are when we grow bigger that we will look into is also these Typical things you only need when you have arrived here that it's not really suited for you. You know, could be insurance, it could be similar things like that.
0: Right, right. So then, why is it still today so hard for you know traditional banks to serve immigrants to provide that bank account?
1: The, the starting point is that they're not built to serve immigrants because if you think, I mean, the world is constructed of borders, right? And within borders, you have laws and regulation, and 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 you have uh, the group of people that have lived there and they built their business around that. If you're thinking about me as as being a Swedish immigrant, I come here with a set of knowledge, I come here with some set of ideas on how it should work. And I think everyone that have moved to another country and they walked into a bank always feels a little bit intimidated. And I think the starting point is already there. And then many times they haven't thought about how you consume or what you're maybe in a knowledge base. And also, of course, even maybe the most obvious thing is like maybe sometimes language and and culture is, is such a big difference right if you're looking at banking space i think uh, the banking uh, products that you consume as an immigrant as well you have all of those mom and pop stores the kiosks all of those check cashing you're like there's there's a whole myriad of, of of physical locations and i think the key reason why you go there is because you come also to a place where you recognize the person on the other you don't you know there's someone that speaks your language that looks and feels and can explain uh, and, and that you can trust so i think there's a lot of trust uh, as well
0: right right let's move to sort of the offering that you have today can you maybe just run us through what is sort of the the core product suite that you're offering it's a digital product it's, a, it's an app that
1: we deliver which includes uh, a bank account a visa card with that you also get international remittances so you can send money back you can also pay for your mobile top up. And on top of that, so to say, you also get access to a an advisor, uh, support, so you can think about uh, that, that is basically from your country. So if you're Swedish, you would speak to Swedish, we haven't opened Sweden yet, we're too small as a community up here in the US. But if you're Cuban, as an example, you will get a, a Cuban advisor that helps you and explains uh, how it works. But the core idea around the product you can think about it in one way, there's like an Amazon Prime type of offering in in that aspect. But uh, it's also that we are taking away the fees. So you pay a monthly fee, like a subscription, like a Netflix, or, uh, but instead of them paying fees, because if you think about all the products that we have included in our offering, it's a traditionally fee based situation. If you think about Western, you know, you want to send money, you go to Western Union, pay $10, but instead of paying the fee all the time, you have zero fee and you pay one monthly fee, but you get access to
0: this suite of products. Right, right. Okay. And so then, as people have been using the app, what is the most popular use case? Is it is it the debit card? Is it the remittances? What are people using the most? Well, so the
1: foundation of the of what we are right is a is a banking product. Uh, it's a banking offering. So that, but then it varies. It's a variety depending on which diaspora. For some countries, there's the remittance service. Is maybe something that's complicated or expensive. Where our product is very very well done. For some countries, it's super expensive to call back home sometimes. So the calling product can be interesting. Or it could be to pay for the phone bills, uh, as an example, which is something. So it's a little bit of variety, but we have a fairly broad mix of of all the services between. But it's you could say community by community, there's slight variations.
0: Right, right. And so are you focused on any particular community? You talked about Cubans. I mean, obviously, Swedish, not, not a huge number of Swedes here. Obviously, there's a lot of people from Mexico and Spanish-speaking Latin America.
1: One of the whole... I'm from Sweden, right? I'm, uh, I can only be representative for a Swedish immigrant. And one of the core, if you think about our what we're building is we're building a platform uh, because of technology problems that you're having on the scene. But when it comes to all the high-touch experience, we're build, building it community by community. And we started with the Cuban community, as as I mentioned. Uh, we also have Colombia. We, we moved on to Venez- Colombia and Venezuela. Mexico is live. We're also doing the Central American countries and also countries from the midst, middle of Africa, uh, like Nigeria, Ghana, and, and Kenya.
0: Okay. So what do they get? Like, What's the difference between someone coming from Mexico than someone coming from Colombia?
1: Yeah, the, the cross-border products are... Are different and and basically how we work is that we're identifying if you think about all the different communities here in the u.s and you look you almost every community have a focal city almost like a capital within the u.s to, to take the same example again like there's there's roughly one and a half two million cubans in in the u.s but there's around seven hundred fifty thousand living them here in Cayocho and, and in miami where i'm living so what we do is that we're partnering with the local uh, store owners and we're hiring people within the community to 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 sell and market our product and that provides a very close relationship and we also open up a, a physical location in Hialeah here which is one of the central points where you think about it as a meet we call them meetups where you can come and meet us uh, we're also we train we because we do the people that we hire we also Develop a, a training program around where they where they can learn English, where they can, where people can also become really good salespeople. So the community, community here they they consume the products which are the same for all diasporas, but they get access to local discounts in uh, the local stores that are here. Uh, typical for the Cuban, there are grocery stores here say, in Miami as an example. Yeah, and, and you get access to this uh, advisor network, so to say, uh,
0: in support. So you're opening physical locations in you got one said so you got one in Miami for Cuba. Is the goal there just to be closer to the community? Because most digital banks aren't doing that. So I'm just curious about the what you're getting out of these physical locations. And do you have others outside of Miami?
1: Here in Florida, we have Miami, we have Tampa, Orlando. In Texas, we have in, in Houston. And, and we're opening up as we speak. So say some more. The idea is not to have multiple like it's not like a brick and mortar type of play as, as the traditional banks but what we've seen and i think what we've learned with with working with all with the different communities is that you need to be to build trust you need to be present and we're working with physical people that are selling to other people so we needed a training facility but we also wanted to show the communities that we're here to stay there's been there's even a word with a lot of you know, a lot of migrant groups in the US, they call tech companies flash in the pants because they come and they put up a stand and they leave. Right. <laughs> Again, comes back, I think, to that, you know, myself. I'm a, I'm a Swedish immigrant, I can be only representative. And that's why we're building like by Cubans for Cubans, by Colombians, for Colombians, and we're providing sort of say the technology platform at scale, but but the commercial operations is is community based.
0: Right. It sounds like you're focusing on the non-English speaking immigrants. I'm an immigrant from Australia. Um, obviously, you've got Canada, you've got uh, the UK as well. Are, are those sort of English speaking regions not a not a focus?
1: Well, we're taking one community out ahead. I think we will we will come at some point. I think even, even probably both you and me have gone through our migrant journey, but we come yeah. from countries where we speak fairly good English, <laughs> moving to an English speaking country, right? And we come from from sort of say countries that you where you usually have some resources when you, when you move, and you can just think about the scale, uh, so say of, of of challenges you have. And uh, we we've, we've been starting with a lot of the Hispanic speaking and some of the African communities, and we did that also for some of the various reasons. Some we started as an example with some of them for, for compliance reasons because we wanted to be. As an example, Cubans that that arrive in the US get a social security number. So we wanted to, since we're not a bank ourselves, you know, we wanted to build a re- very, very robust compliance program. So it comes from some of the tactical, the strategical, but also from the communities that we that we decided to prove. And we wanted to start not with the, uh, as you say, you know, Mexican is the largest uh, diaspora in the US. We didn't want to start with the biggest first.
0: Right. Understood. Understood. Okay. So when I arrived in this country. The challenging thing was, yeah, you know, opening up a bank account, you needed a social security number. And I I read somewhere that when you're opening up an account at majority, you don't need that. How are you doing that? And how are you sort of complying with, uh, obviously, the AML KYC components? The
1: regulation in the U.S. requires two main things of us as a financial institution. And that is that we know that you are you, and we know that you have a residency here, meaning you have an address here in the U.S. that you're permanently living here. And and that is the main regulation. And and so when you're when you're opening a bank account with us, we've been spending a lot of time on that specific because this is a true pain point for almost any immigrant that comes here. Mm-hmm. It's sometimes it's about timing when do you get your social or not? So we are adapting so you, you can have any government-issued ID from anywhere in the world. And we're doing recognition of all of those, we're matching all of those, and and we're doing a lot of data checks so to say in the background on how we verifying that you are you because that is the core and the second thing is that we're then verifying your, your address which is sometimes the classical parts of you know one way it could be a utility builder or, or, or similar but mm-hmm. here's one of the key things like we're working why we're also working diaspora, per diaspora because almost each diaspora have a suite of Documentation, so paperwork that is specific or unique to that. As in right. Mexican, as we mentioned, you know, you get from the consulate in the US, you get something called matricula So you want to make sure that that is something that you feel confident about and that we we can verify.
0: Okay, so tell us about your your partner bank relationships. I imagine they're really important for the success of your business because you are providing financial services. So tell us who do you have relationships with.
1: Many actually, <laughs> we had quite a few uh, banking relationships here, and I I can tell you when we started, we were the first in our space trying to to build this. When we set off in 2019, and, and me and my co-founder came here, and we were knocking on every bank here in the US trying to to find a partner, and they said, "Hey, we're two Swedish guys here. We we want to do this." And they were like, "Oh, uh, you're in the US now. You're not you're not you're not American." That was the first challenge. Then we said we wanted to work with. Uh, visa card and, uh, and that it's also considered slightly high risk. And then we said, oh, and we also want to do remittance. <laughs> and and then we want to work with immigrants, Nigerians, and then Cuba. You know, like, to be honest, we, we run into quite a few closed doors, so to say. I can uh, imagine. So we, yeah. And one of the first things that we realized then is that we cannot only be good when it comes to this uh, space. We need to be extremely good. We need to be better, mainly than our partners. And so we spend a lot of time, and I think uh, we ended up in the end of the day. You know, we had, had five, six bank partners from the beginning because we also realized we want to have redundancy. We wanted to do this very, very stable. Right. The two core underlying banks that we're having for issuing is Sutton and Axiom Bank, and and then we're working with other multiples. We are licensed in many states ourselves for the MSC business, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, yeah, it's, it's it's fundamental, right, to have great partnerships in the space.
0: Right, there's a lot of digital banks out there. A lot of niche digital banks. We got one for pets. What do you say to people who say to you that we have enough niche digital banks?
1: Well, I think it's partially true. I think we we might have seen an. Uh, I mean, the last two three years, I think when we started in our space, you can think about our niche. Uh, it was uh, we were the first, and then Passbook came around, uh, which announced just a few days right that they're that they're closing down their digital bank in our space. But I think. The core, I think, around any business in the world is that do you have a relevant problem? Do you have a real problem? And mm-hmm. and I think if you can't answer what problem you're solving, you might you might not have a niche. But when it comes to what we're doing, is that we're living in a an era of immigration around the world. There are 300 million migrants in the world. It's growing, expected to be half a billion. Uh, mm-hmm. There's 500 million people that want to move to another country, and I, and I think this is something that will not stop. It will not know we going to change and and what we're trying to build with majority is that we're trying to break down border for people to thrive and succeed as fast as possible when you move to another country and the problems uh i think you've experienced them i for sure have experienced them and uh, our customers experience them as well that is a real problem and i think right now since last year with a big change in the market you're going to see a significant number and i think we're already seeing it happening right now right is that uh, not all of them are solving real problems? They're not getting customers. They are not getting funding, etc.
0: Right, right, okay, fair enough. So, well, speaking of funding, you know, you actually raised money in Q3 of last year. Or that's when it was announced. Anyway, know, difficult fundraising environment in 2022. What was it like raising for a niche digital bank during that time?
1: Well, I think last year has has been very different for a lot of. I mean, the environment completely shamed. We had the luck of, in luck in some way, but luck, I don't believe in luck, actually, but (laughs) I think we are in, we've been performing as a company great. And this was actually an inside round. With the luck, I said that the investor group that we brought in, even from the seed round, has led the seed round, uh, the A round and the B round. And I think that just is a testament to, uh, to the hard work that we've been doing and the progress that we've been making. Because Real businesses, I think, will always exist, and I think you will always find investors for those type of companies. It's slightly different, but
0: yeah. We should just clarify too. This is Valar Ventures you're talking about, Peter Thiel's. I know it's not just Peter Thiel, but his uh, his venture capital fund, right?
1: Yes, uh, but on top of that, we have some great uh, angel investors out of out of from the Nordics uh, and some venture capital. Also from the Nordics, uh, but Valor has led the the last three rounds.
0: Yes. Right. So then, can you give us a sense of the scale you guys are at? I don't know if you, what you can share as far as number of accounts or number of employees. What? What? Where are you at? So we are
1: around. And this is always uh, uh, a tricky. We haven't disclosed any like numbers, but uh, we, we reached a very good uh, milestone internally uh, where. As my my co-founder or CFO as well said. Now now we're a real company, so <laughs> uh, maybe maybe you can guess that one. But but in terms of of scaling, in, I mean we're around eighty people in the company, around eighty to ninety people, and then we have around three hundred of these sales advisors uh, hired here in the U.S. We're constantly growing. We're, we're quite happy, even though during last year and since last year we've been very we've been that since the start. I mean we are maybe more seasoned, quite operative team uh, since we started so we've always been cautious about money and how to spend them and and trying to be as efficient as possible so but but with high ambition so yeah we're we're doing well I think we're keeping
0: the lead so you you haven't laid off anybody and you, are you still hiring
1: yes we are in one way you're always I think everyone is always should always be hiring because you always want to find the best people right companies are built by people not by anything else. And uh, the better people you have, the better company you can build. I think we've been following our plan. Our plan has always been to follow our plan. And we've been been doing that. I think we're one of the few that's basically has been hitting our plan since, since start. We hope to do that. And as long as we do that, I think we are also hiring in
0: that pace. Uh, I'm imagining you're not profitable yet. What is the plan for profitability?
1: So, I mean, we are still at the B stage, right? So um, we, we don't have far. Uh, we, we need to pass through a few hurdles more and one and a half funding more, I think, until we, we are at that stage. Uh, but it's pretty efficient and, and at scale, we will be a fantastic company.
0: So the revenue sources, you've got your subscription piece. I imagine you're, getting, you're sharing an interchange. I mean, what, what are the sources of revenue for you guys?
1: Well, if you think about our pricing model it's it reminds more maybe of a Costco pricing right uh, and if you go to Costco you pay your monthly fee but then they having a few percentage points also to cover basically for for other things around your services and and our model is fairly similar uh, to that one uh, and and when you have as our pro- like if you think about a product is actually, the core of the product but it's also multiple cross-border products they add up together so it turns out to be a fairly good and also i mean our customers i like our model because i uh, over the years you've done a lot of business cases and a lot of different models so to say our the beauty of ours is also it's on the same side sort of say of the customer right because at scale we're going to have even better ability to provide some of these services at even lower cost so our customers on average save somewhere between 10 and 30 up to 40 dollars a month By using our product instead
0: got it okay so then last question i mean what's your vision here are you like you talk about the pathway you're on i mean where is this what's the end game well there's soon to be half a
1: billion people on the world right that are immigrants and if uh, if we can continue to cater for them and and lowering the barriers and and creating faster opportunities for people to thrive and succeed i think we've done a great job we started here in the US because by definition it's uh, both in numbers and also a country built on immigration right there are 50 million migrants here just alone in the US so first step is to to make sure that we are the 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 leader here in the US and after that there is multiple countries that that also have their portion of, of immigration and uh i think if we become the household name that anyone that has moved to another country they the first thing they think about i think we have a uh, uh, we have a, we're in
0: a good place. Okay. Well, Magnus, we'll have to leave it there. Um, good luck to you. I wish you were existing when I first arrived in this country. It, it's painful to get into the financial system when you're a new immigrant, but uh, you know I think you're providing a valuable service here. So best of luck to you. Thank you, Peter. If you like the show, please go ahead and give it a review on the podcast platform of your choice. And be sure to tell your friends and colleagues about it. Anyway, on that note, I will sign off. I very much appreciate you listening, and I'll catch you next time. Bye.